AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palbociclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Podcast. It is your girl, Ebony, and I am super excited about this week's episode. Um, Normally I do a little housekeeping, but this episode is going to be really amazing, really informative. I feel like I found my long-lost auntie. Um, So before we begin, let me paint the picture for you guys. So I remember when I was growing up, and even to this day, like I've always been fascinated with like drug dealers and the history and not so not so much the part about that crimes and all the other stuff but i think i was just so amazed because a lot of these men and a lot of them was black men um they were so smart like a lot of these men didn't have no type of education but they provided for so many people and i was just so amazed to see like a lot of them made like a million dollars in a week like how is that even possible so my guest today is going to um, give us some insight because I feel like a lot of times when we hear about the the legends in our neighborhoods, we hear from a man's point of view. But now we have a woman here, and I know all of my guests are anonymous, but if you are interested in learning more about her story and, and you want to read her book, which her book was like really amazing, I finished it like in two days. Um, I had to wait for the camera, guys. <laughs> um, please email me at hello at theprofessionalhomegirl.com. So I remember watching old movies back in the day, and I remember seeing the lifestyle in Harlem. And I used to be like, yo, these people are mad fly. Like, I want to be like them. Like, it just looked like it was just mad fun back in the day. So what was all, what was Harlem like during that, the golden era? Um, Harlem in the 80s and 90s, um, like I said in the book, it was just fun. Mm-hmm. It was more community. Um, although the things things were going on out there, we still had 
our elders there who was looking out for us and mm-hmm. we still respected them mm-hmm. but of course we were still out doing our thing and the streets just seemed to be fun you can go out there. so much fun man oh man it was like like i i say that it was the stage mm-hmm. and we just went out there and we just had fun we were able to have fun unlike mm-hmm. today right yeah so give us some insight on your background before you was introduced to the street life um, grew up with both of my parents, mm-hmm. southern-born mom. Like me. <laughs> Kingston, Jamaican, born dad, mm-hmm. and I grew up in a strict household. Mm-hmm. You know, education was definitely um, a big part of my household. Mm-hmm. My dad stayed on us when it came to education. Mm-hmm. So education has been and will always be a part of, you know, my lifestyle, right. my life. Uh, so, yeah, that's what it was, um... Me and my sisters. And you didn't really you know, have the one thing thing. I really didn't. My yeah. parents provided us with everything. Right. I never wanted for anything. And whatever I did do, it was because of choices that I chose to do, not mm-hmm. out of need. Because mm-hmm. I felt like when I was reading your book, you were talking about... Um, your father owned a couple of businesses in Jamaica. Yes. Your mother was a nurse. So I think that's what made, for me, your story stand out so much more. Because like you said, it was a, a choice. Because you really didn't have to go that way. So by the time you were 16, you was introduced to the um, world of drugs by your uncle. And you started selling dust. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Okay, well, I was actually it kind of introduced to the drug game by my boyfriend. But not that he gave me anything. I just knew he was doing something. Right. You know, in the street, so that's how I knew that. But as far as getting the dust, yes, that came from my uncle, and I asked him for it mm-hmm. because I wanted to be out there. Mm-hmm. I saw at that age how much money people can get. Right. So I wanted to go down to 123rd Street, mm-hmm. and 23rd Street was like the mecca of getting money in Harlem. Mm-hmm. There was so many street legends. I knew, but I didn't really know the street legends that I was really around mm-hmm. it was crowded so mm-hmm. i knew okay money is here <laughs> but everybody was getting money like it was a yeah. everybody had a part of it yeah yeah so yeah i just chose i took the dust put it in my little louis vuitton mm-hmm. duffel bag that i had and um that's when i started hustling how did it make you feel um a part of something like i was like a big part of something like okay i'm really doing something so yeah it made me feel like okay but were you I'm nervous really no not really no, nope, I can't say that I was. Uh, you really were selling, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't because at that time I probably didn't realize mm. what I was really probably getting myself into. Right. Had something happened, but I was lucky. So, um, you mentioned your uncle was out. And so when I was reading about him, I was like, yo, like he was really getting it. He was wilding out. Like he was just everything. And I was just so into his, well, I can't say character, but I was so into him when you were telling your story. But then what made me so fascinated by him, because he was 19 when he passed away. So I was like, damn, like, you had young boys really providing for families and neighborhoods. So what's the difference between now and then? Because I feel like back in the day, it was so easy to make money. It was. Um, the difference between now and then is that the game is over. All you think these, it's over? Oh, yeah, it's definitely over. Wow. Although you still have some out there that's doing it. Mm-hmm. But... The difference is the time that they are going to get in jail and the time that you're going to get in jail today isn't worth the reward. Right. Like the risk is not worth it. Back then, the risk was worth the reward because the reward was so much bigger right. back then. Today is not. Wow. With the whole op- opioid epidemic and yeah. you know, things like that, they're not playing. So 
you gotta ask yourself, is it really worth it to do? Although some people are and times are, ch- are completely different. It's too. different. Yeah. Time, you know, change is good sometimes, but times have changed. And you know, it's times where you know, at some point, it's like, okay, we gotta grow. Mm-hmm. We gotta try to do something different. And for those of us who already had that life and understanding and know, you know, we we knew the money that we made, but whatever we got now, we gotta try to legitimize right. what we have. Right. You know, and do something different and be a little more business minded. Right. And we got to teach the youth of today something different because mm-hmm. they're nothing like the youth of yesterday. Right. Yeah, I feel like nowadays people are really wilding out for no reason. No reason at all. It's reckless. And this whole gang mentality. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. It, very much so. Because I feel like now, like as a, a woman, I feel like when I was younger, my grandma lived in East New York. So I feel like when I was younger, like the men like protected the neighborhood. Like I can walk down, everybody knew who everybody was. And this I used to um come up to New York every summer. So even when like when the um certain guys from the neighborhood would come around, you knew what they was doing, they would always just look out for us. And I feel like nowadays, fast forward to where I'm at now, I don't even feel safe in my own neighborhood sometimes. Absolutely. It was definitely different. And at that time, we felt safer. Everybody knew one another. Mm-hmm. Um, it, things happened, but it was specific to whatever happened between those two individuals. Right. Now it's just reckless, and anybody will come at you or come around your way, and you just don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And you don't feel from. protected at home. Right. Back then, we felt protected at home, as well as just moving about in our neighborhoods because everybody knew each other. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely different. So, um, you were cool with a lot of dudes um, in the neighborhood that we consider legends. Um, where were some of your lessons you gained from them? Um, hmm. Or I can name Loyalty. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, being around, I'm just, I mean, of course I learned how to get money. I learned <laughs> how to hustle. And, you know, just being loyal mm-hmm. and standing by what I believe in. Um, they also taught me as a woman not to be disrespected don't mm-hmm. let another man disrespect me so they definitely taught me some you know drop some jewels on me mm-hmm. as far as being a woman out there in the street mm-hmm. yeah i remember you were saying how um your uncle stan used to always say things to you and be like yo like don't be doing stuff like that like oh yeah he's yeah. a cop block <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> That's why I guess he always gave me everything. He went and bought a truck, said, here, you drive that. Because like, he was like, you don't need a man for nothing. Right. So he gave me everything. So that's one thing is like, you know, I didn't really have the, even though I had my parents, but if I felt the need, I really didn't have to go out there and do anything. Right. You know, to get anything from another man because my uncle always provided it and he always showed me how to get my own money. And that's real. Yeah. Because I feel like it comes from home. Yeah. So, um, so in your book, you always talk about the power of pussy. <laughs> So I was like, yes, auntie, tell us what it is. Because <laughs> you know what it is? Um, when I was single, men would do anything for you just to have the thought of just getting close to you. So when I was reading your book, I was like, yo, she was really getting it. So what were some situations that you felt like being a woman put you in better, made you advance better in certain situations? And what were some of the like craziest gifts you used to receive? Well, the thing is... I learned early mm-hmm. that men are really more emotional than we are. Oh, absolutely. So when I found that out, I probably took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you said, you know, some they will do sometimes anything to get you. Mm-hmm. And you just can't sell yourself short. Right. You know? 
number one, you got to let them know that you know your worth, mm-hmm. that you respect yourself, mm-hmm. and that they need to respect you as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are the things that um I learned early, and I used it to my advantage, mm-hmm. especially when you know that um somebody wants you that bad. And they willing to do anything. And then when you know you got that good, good. Well, tell us a story. Tell us a story. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have a story, but I mean, well, yeah, I got a few stories. I don't know. When you have, you know, because I, I had a conversation with an ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, come on, mom. I said, oh, pussy is the same. He's right. like, oh, no, mommy. I used to say the same oh, thing. Oh, no, mommy. Because I guess we could look at it like, oh, right. you know, penis ain't the same. So he's like, uh-uh, mommy. Uh-uh, your monkey different. <laughs> uh-uh, that's different. So when you know that you got something good, because you know the effects that you have on people. Right. You know, if you see a man get to a certain point where he either cries or he just gets upset or yeah, he, he can't he black out. And you see that from different people, you like, okay, I got it. And you mm-hmm. know when you got it. Because you was getting um diamonds. You was getting apartments. Yeah, you well, was... my daughter's father, he had it. And um, so I got a lot from that. From, you know, that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend Donald, God bless his soul. Mm-hmm. He treated me very well. Yeah, so I remember yeah. you told a story about how mm-hmm. he had on a, ne- a diamond necklace or something. Yeah, and I had left him for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I... Well, you stayed with a man. I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, don't judge me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bumped into him one day. And he had this nice diamond cross on. I was like, oh, shoot, that's nice. And I started playing with it. He said, you want one? I said, yeah. Next thing you know, I guess he went to, he may have went to Jersey. It's a guy named DeBerg. Mm-hmm. And bought me a nice diamond cross. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got another diamond necklace. I still have it today that Donald bought me. Why do you think men feel so comfortable around you? I mean, I know when me and you first met, I felt like we just instantly connected. Yeah. But I feel like you was, a lot of men, like, respected you. Like, you was, like, the go-to sis for everything. And it's so crazy because I still have that situation. I think men knows that I understand them. I mm-hmm. understand the street. I understand the game. Right. I, I know that's their attraction now. Mm-hmm. Back then, it could have been something. But what I can say now is, um, and this is what they tell me, you know, I just have that thing where they feel like, okay, I'm good people. I have good energy. You right. Know? If I you deal do. with you, I deal with you. You know, I try to deal with everybody the same way until you show me something different. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you got to see what some people's motives are to be around you. Because mm-hmm. everybody definitely have a motive, whether yeah. it's good or bad. Right. But, you know, I think for the most part, they knew that T understood the game. Mm-hmm. And most of them were in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you know, because people will always, I'm sorry, because you uh-huh. but people always just call you when certain things popped off, or like, yeah, people you'd be walking down the street, somebody come up to you and tell you what was going on. Like, uh, yeah, this is like, a lot about your character. Yeah, I have people that share things that they don't even tell a right hand man, right? You know, and I keep it, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that people see that in me, right? Because I'm genuine, and loyalty means so much mm. to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm a genuine person. I don't mm-hmm. do phony stuff. I've never been a snake. Right. I don't do stuff like that. This it's not in my nature. Right. You know, so if they if that's what they see in me, then you know, I'm glad because that's that's exactly what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, so there was a particular situation where you talked about um the father of your unborn child was locked up. 
So you had to take over. So I'm picturing because I'm reading it and I'm like, yo, she up her pregnant and you just, you handling business. Like, how did that make you feel? Oh, tell us more about that situation because, of course, I know. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, well, my daughter, father, he and um, a guy named Fritz. And Fritz was considered the consignment, he was the consignment king in Harlem Mm -hmm. and considered one of the richest men in Harlem at a certain time. Whoever was hustling or had the opportunity to hustle, whether it was directly or indirectly, they got their drugs from Fritz. So, you know, me and Ace got into a relationship Mm -hmm. and... It was like probably less than six months or within six months, he ended up getting arrested, mm-hmm. indicted for a murder that had happened three years prior. Right. So we looking like, what the hell? So, you know, I had already knew the game. I knew what to do. Right. And because I was his girl, I'm about to have a baby. I said, I don't want nobody taking care of my money because I don't want to have to ask nobody for anything. Right. Right. You know? And I know how the streets can go and how, you know, dudes can act. So, yeah, I started, um, I took over. I moved the operation to my mother's apartment. Yeah, I remember you moved up. It was a safe yeah. and some money and stuff to her. Why did you do that? Well, I bought the safe because Fritz, under the direction of Fritz, he said, listen, although Ace is gone, I'm still going to make sure you get money. And that money had absolutely nothing to do with Ace operation. Right. Because he was a loyal dude like that, and that's what friends and partners do. They're going to make sure that their partner's family is okay. Mm-hmm. So he said, get the safe so you can just whatever money I give you for him. So mm-hmm. whenever he comes out, he got money. Right. So, yeah, I had started doing everything at my mom's house because mm-hmm. I didn't want nobody to know where I lived at. Right. So, um, yeah, um, things were going on. There was only about maybe four, no more than five people who actually came to the house to either pick up, mm-hmm. bring me money, and, you know, continue doing what they throwing back and forth. Right. And um, one day... Someone came to get some money from my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And um, when he left, it was a knock on the door, like mm-hmm. no more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was three masked people, mm-hmm. two men and a, woman, a female. And um, at that time, you know, like I said, I wasn't nervous or scared. I was more yeah, you was Yeah, ta- because you was popping shit then, too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm being disrespected, and I mm-hmm. knew who just left my house. So now right. I'm like, I know. You're trying, you putting two and two together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when they say, take us to the safe, it's only, like I said, four or five people who knew I had the safe in the house. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. And, um, yeah, I just ended up taking them to the safe, giving them what they wanted. Once I knew that they were comfortable enough and... You know, at that time, I had to play the cards that I was dealt because they said they wasn't going to hurt me, but I had one that was kind of feeling some type of way, mm-hmm. feeling itchy. Yeah, he was very aggressive. Yeah, he was very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, you know what? I made them comfortable by saying, tie me up. I'm not going to try anything. Mm-hmm. Just don't hurt me and my baby. How many months were you then? Uh, I was about six. Oh, wow. So you mm-hmm. was definitely showing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was about six. And they busted it. I only had on a bra and panties at the time. Mm-hmm. So they took everything. I opened up the safe. They took the safe. They took all my jewelry. They took a ledger. I think I had like a big thing of weed. Maybe it was a FedEx package of weed. Mm-hmm. And um, they went on about their business. I think what your story is, I also like how you maintain a positive outlook on things. Because at the end of that story, you were saying how your sister, you thought it was your sister that was coming over. So that's why you just opened the door. didn't even like really think about anything. And you were saying how, thank God that 
your sister that wasn't in the ho- in the room with you because she was supposed to come over, but she was downstairs talking to some the neighbor or something, mm-hmm. and how everything could have went completely left yeah. if she would have been there. Yeah, because um, maybe my little sister she lived there, and I told her come up at a certain time because and another reason I was at my mom's house because I was sick a lot while I was pregnant. Like right. I had morning sickness every day, twenty four hours a day. Right. So I said, man, God must have been watching over her and over me. Um, she stopped at the elevator to talk to my best friend's brother. Mm, I'm out of Why? I have no idea because this just didn't seem like something that would happen. Like she would stand there and have a long conversation with him about what. what mm-hmm. you know? And had she been there or come in, my sister's a fighter. Yeah, I heard. That's what she got them hands. Like anything that, mm-hmm. it, it would have just made her, she would have been looking at it like they're not going to let us live. Right. And she would have tried to fight her way up out of there. Mm-hmm. But me being there and trying to be calm and keep them calm, that was my, I was just happy that I was able to play it that way. Right. And I said, God held her at that elevator. Yeah. Because when they ran out the door and they ran down, because we have long hallways as a 20-story building, long hallways. When she ran, when they ran down the hallway and down the stairs and the staircase door closed, her and the guy Junior came around and looked mm-hmm. and nobody was there. Mm-hmm. Then I was putting my clothes on, and by the time she got to the door, and I, I opened the door, and she was standing right there. I said, they just robbed me. So we ran down the hall, ran down the stairs, and I found their face mask and hoodies there. Mm-hmm. But I said, God held her at the elevator because he know her. Yeah. She would That not, is so crazy. Yeah. Just hearing you talking about it, just like, because when yeah. I read it, I was like, yo, that is so crazy. You upstairs going through that situation, and she's downstairs talking. Like, y'all know. No, she was on the same floor. Yeah, and, yeah the in the same building. And then it's so crazy because what my grandmother used to always tell me is everything you do in the dark comes to light. And when you said that in your book, I was like, oh, because <laughs> then you later found out yeah. who it was. Six years later, I already knew, but mm-hmm. it was confirmed. So a lady stopped me in my lobby. Say, you so she didn't even you. know you. She didn't really know me like that. But she's like, I grew up with her daughters. Like mm-hmm. she was in and out, but she always kind of lived in another state, but always came back to the building. Mm-hmm. And someone who also lived in my building was there and knew the whole plan mm-hmm. of how it was going to go down. And she told the lady. Oh, The lady uh, got mad at her and told me. So that's how I knew the guns they had, who was related to who. Right. And, that and they, she was bold. And that the, well, she kind of, she was kind of a gangster yeah. herself. She was uh, in the game. Yeah, the lady that told me she was. No, talking about the one who told her. Yeah, but, but then she, you said she was on crack. So. Yeah, she was yeah. about to crack here, <laughs> right. there, so she could have told her during one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. I said, "Wow, you that's know, crazy." It, it, it is. It and is. What, it just confirmed everything. And then when on that story, I liked how you talked about like the rage you felt, like yeah, like you was ready to like by any means necessary. Oh, everybody was gone. Yeah. And that's how I felt at the time. You know, I put hits out. And yeah. That's, I was able to do that. I had people who did that. Right. And serious people, too. So I was like, listen, I want this one going. And I wasn't really mad at the people that came in. You had they, the person who sent them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They was just doing, and you know, for the love of money, man. Money. Yeah, man. Money will make people do some crazy things. Yo, that's, yo, one of the craziest things that you said. Yeah, I was so into this book, y'all. Because <laughs> I love to read. So, right. and I'm trying to read like a new book every week. Because right. there's just so much information and knowledge out there that's in a textbook, but they don't tell us to read or promote us to read. They want us to watch these games and all this other bullshit. But, um, Money does make people do a lot of crazy things because you even said that it was this guy 
um, he pretty much was paid to kill somebody on his own crew. And I'm just thinking, like, yo, where's the loyalty at? Like, that was so insane to me. Because you can't even trust people that's around you. Not at all. Not at all. And, yeah, that was a situation with my little brother, Jermaine. And he had an issue. May he rest in peace. With someone. And um, it got kind of crazy where there were shootouts here. And then once somebody on his side got shot, it was like, okay, now this is serious. And the rumor was that he allegedly put a bounty on someone's head. Mm-hmm. And that person's own man said, oh, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. I said, wow, you can't trust nobody. Again, the money. But did that make you think, like, well, if he's willing to do that to his own people, what is he willing to do to one of us? Right. If somebody probably would have put that money up and said, right. you know what, since you're doing it like that, we got 25 over here. Because a lot of people were at some point kind of hating him, hating Jermaine. Mm-hmm. Or disliking him because he was just coming, becoming so big and so powerful in mm-hmm. the streets. And I guess they didn't like it. But, right. you know, it was jealousy. Right. For the most part. It wasn't like he was really out there bothering anybody. You right. Know, unless it came his way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But you're right. So, um, I want to talk about some of the events that led up to you wanting to change or get out the game. Um, one thing I've noticed in your book that almost at every chapter you name at least four or five people that passed away. Yeah, how was that? Because I, I know for me, I mean, I don't know these people, but I was even getting emotional because I was like, damn, like, auntie really been through some stuff. Like, you've seen a lot of people lose their lives. Oh, I'm sorry, auntie. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're about to have me crying. <laughs> I'm a crier. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw a lot of death. And it was a lot of people around me that was going. But for the most part, once Jermaine mm-hmm. got killed, that was it. Yeah. Like, the streets wasn't fun. Not saying that it was fun when I was, you know, just seeing other people get killed. It wasn't that. But it's like, okay, things are serious. Things really hit home. Even though I had had people close to me prior to that, you know, pass away. But he was somebody that I loved dearly. You know, mm-hmm. He became, although him and my sister were boyfriend and girlfriend when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And after they broke up, we all were still a family. Mm-hmm. Like him and her, like he still loved her to death. Mm-hmm. Like we loved each other. We protected each other. So, you know, once he passed away, that was it. I was like, okay, I got to get it together. I almost lost my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I took that real, really, you know, really hard because I know. Yeah, I was really close. Yeah, and I know that's not what he wanted because mm-hmm. you can have people out there and they live in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. But when he told me on his own mouth, he was like, yo, sis, I'm tired of this. Yeah, I'm not I ready thought to that die. was so, like, I, oh my God. I was just so into that moment because I was just thinking, like, damn, like, Y'all literally had a conversation about how he was saying how he was just, he was through with it. Yeah, he was like, I ain't ready to die. Like, I'm tired. Because he was getting money, you know? Yeah. He wanted to enjoy his life. he was so life. young. Yeah, he wanted to enjoy his life. And it's like, things was getting hectic. But then, when, like I said, when somebody shot at somebody that was close to him, mm-hmm. he was like, okay, it's getting kind of serious. And he said, like I said, allegedly, he put the bounty on somebody's head. Right. And then, like I said, the boogeyman came and got him. 
you right. know, probably for that. And, you know, it took me a long time to get over it. Like I said, eight years later, I was in my house in, um, in my apartment in Atlanta, and I literally got on my knees and had to forgive the person that killed her. Yeah. Because I was angry for, like, eight years. Yo, you know what's so funny? Um, it'll be four years since my grandmother passed away on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. So I always get these emotions and weird. And I'm pretty sure you get the same thing around the anniversary of, of Jermaine. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandmother was, like, mad close to me. And I always talk about my grandmother. And, like, till this day, like, around this time, like, it, it takes a lot. So when you, I, I can see your emotion because I know what that emotion is. Because to me, it's just like, when I read that part, I'm thinking like, damn, I remember last time I had a conversation with my grandmother. And next thing you know, I got a call saying she passed away. So yeah. that's really like, did you go to therapy or like, who did you talk to about stuff like this? Actually, I've never, no, as far as that, I didn't. My therapy was the book. Yeah. I had to get it out. Because it was, and, it was a lot in you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once once he went, then I realized, oh, my God, so many other things happened to me in my life. I was like, ooh. So let me just get it out. Mm-hmm. Put it on paper. I, I spoke to his mom. I said, I'm, I think I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. She's like, do what you got to do because we was all close. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all close. So she was like, T, do what you got to do because she know, you know, the love that we had between each other. Yeah. And I understood what you meant by because I know when she passed away, I went crazy. Like, I was depressed. My hair was falling out. Like, I was like a walking zombie. Like, yeah. if I saw an older lady with their, a child, I used to cry thinking that's their grandmother, stuff like that. So, like, I can imagine how it felt for you when you see certain things. So, even, like, writing this book just brought back a, a lot of good memories. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, um, yeah writing the book was therapeutic mm-hmm. because I needed to get it out. Then there was a time where, like, I started writing around 2005. For maybe three or four years, I didn't touch it because then it came, the pain came back. Yeah, like yeah. I would open up my laptop, and if I started reading it, I got nauseous yeah. to my stomach because, you know, when you're writing something and now you feel like, okay, I'm gonna put this into a book, you it's repetitive. You have to read it over and over mm-hmm. again, and it mm-hmm. became painful. So I literally didn't touch it for years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so that goes into my, the same question. What about the time when you, um, when you got shot? Yeah. Um, Cause when you were talking about that, I was like, I think you said you ran to the doc, the hospital or something. Or you got it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Cause I'm a strong woman. Man. Yes, you are, man. Or it's either that, but I, I, I owe it all to God. Cause I know he probably said, get your, this ground, <laughs> your mama. You work hard. You know, I said, that's why I, t- I said he was not snatching me up by my wig for all my life. <laughs> Getting me up out of trouble. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but you never fold. You never fold, though. Like, you yeah, really held it down. I, the strength that I have. Like, I should be really walking around, taking medication, mm-hmm. half crazy. And, y'all, she look good. <laughs> After all of the things that I've been through and have seen. Yeah. But, yeah, that day I got shot. How old, how old were you? I was 24. Wow. I may have been 23 going on 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in a split second, I was on the ground. But they had came to shoot or kill mm-hmm. a guy from my block. Right. Because of an incident that had happened maybe a day or two before. Mm-hmm. And when I seen the combination of the guy from my block and who he was talking to, I mm-hmm. knew it was a bad combination. Right. So I was trying to go, I was going to jump in the cab and go tell the boss of that crew, because mm-hmm. he was my daughter's godfather, but mm-hmm. before I could do it, 
I heard the shots, and the guy was running towards me, which was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I yelled out one of the shooters' names, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then I just started running. Right. So I fell, and my friend fell in front of me. But for some reason, I knew I was hit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I knew. I'm not sure. If, I can't remember feeling a bullet, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I knew. And I told my cousin, who was standing there in shock, but she wasn't hearing anything. She right. was just, you know. She was in shock. And that split second, all I thought about was my baby upstairs, mm-hmm. her daddy is away, mm-hmm. and I couldn't die on these streets. Right. So I got up, because she wasn't hearing anything. Mm-hmm. I'm calling her name. So I got up. It was a guy from my block named John. Go get in the cab. Because mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I'm hit. Mm-hmm. I just knew it. And we got in the cab. Harlem Hospital was about maybe three blocks down and one block over. So a cab happened to be right there on the corner. Mm-hmm. That's God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I jumped in the cab. We got there. They immediately started tearing my clothes off. The bullet went straight through. About that, maybe maybe an inch away from my spine. And it came out my breast. Wow. Um, And um, they just started to operate. Not No, not operate. They cut me under my arm to give me a chest tube because I actually was bleeding internally. Mm. So had I laid on the ground, my lungs would have filled up. Like every little minute. Death. Yeah. I would have smothered to death. Especially when 50 fell in front of me. His name was 50. Mm-hmm. In that split second when I imagined my daughter upstairs, her daddy was away, I've seen white sheets all my life on the ground. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to be under a white sheet on this ground. Like my parents and my family not going to see that. Right. So that's what made me get to the hospital, and uh, they did good. Yeah, they did good. I'm still here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling y'all. When I was reading your book, I was like, "Yo, this is a strong woman." Like, and I'm just so happy that you came out with your story because, like I said, we don't really hear this one a lot. I think you're the only woman that I ever heard about back in the day. Like, you don't really hear, it. And, and the women who did talk about it, they was either doing the drugs or they was messing with the guys. But like, you was really a part of it, and like. For you to be here now and telling your story and like encouraging people and to go the opposite way because it's not what it used to be and then it's wait go ahead it's really not that it's not what it used to be it's not what everybody thought exactly because they look at it from the outside looking in mm-hmm. okay from the outside you will see cars first yeah. you'll see guys getting money but on the inside even me being the, the girl or the wife of somebody in it, there's stresses. Yeah. You know, you have to think of you have to think about the people who the snakes, like the ones that robbed me. Yeah. You know, that that business wasn't, you know, they see the glamour of it, but they don't see the hard work and the stress behind it. Right. And the dangers behind it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said in a book, you know, was it all worth it? Yeah. You know, going through the things that we going through, uh the people that we lost. Yeah. From the game. Um. So I know we just spoke about your brother, your brother's passing, and it's still this, till, still to this day, it still affects you. Um, I know you spoke about the shiny suit man and his situation. How does it feel when you still see him, the shiny suit man, now, and he's portraying a different story to what the story you actually live? It it sometimes makes me laugh. It, I wouldn't say I get mad. It only angers me because you wasn't, that wasn't your life. Right. 
I know why you ran. Right. And everybody else knows because you wasn't built like that. And it's okay because everybody is not a gangster. Right. And it's okay. And you definitely said that too. Right. You know? So when I see him and he says, oh, nobody chased me out of New York. Who leaves a flourishing mm-hmm. rap career who ends up with their own label mm-hmm. that's flourishing mm-hmm. to just disappear? To go completely the opposite of New York. And re- <laughs> become a preacher or a reverend mm-hmm. and then after you think the smoke clears you come back you come out with back. a rap record right it's like come on yeah just like free yourself from that because i know he still walks with that all the time because mm-hmm. you know why you left right you know hopefully me and him get down you know could sit down and talk but you don't think it would bother you though i had gave it to god a long time ago yeah, I mean, I know time yeah. heals everything, but, you yeah. know, certain things, like, somebody's not being here anymore that's very close to right. you, like, like, I don't know, because I feel like certain things bothered me that happened a couple of years ago, so I can imagine with this situation, especially somebody truly and firmly believed right. that they didn't have anything to do with it. Right. Now, for him to keep up the lie, and right. to sit with me and say that's not why, when you know it is, it's like, you, that would be impossible for him to do because I was there. Right. You right. I I messed up, and I ran because of that. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but don't get up on all these radio stations and say Cause y'all because y'all was even cool. Yeah, me and him go way back. Yeah, because I remember way you were saying that one day you was walking, he came up to you and he was expressing to you how like he's tired of people always with their hands out and all this right. other stuff. And my uncle, he always say my uncle Stan was the first person to buy him some sneakers when he was playing ball. Yeah. So we go back, you know. Uh, so, I, you know, me and him can definitely sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But it would have to be a conversation where everybody's sitting there being totally honest. Because I think that if the platforms that he go on, like The Breakfast Club or Angie Martinez show, mm-hmm. and if he was to say, listen, somebody that I know was out there in the street that was killing up stuff or had the ability or the money to do it, mm-hmm. hell yeah, I ran. Everybody in the room is going to respect that because who's going to stay there and get killed? Right. You're not a gunslinger. Yeah. You you, you did the smart thing. Mm-hmm. He did the smart thing. I don't know what was going to happen to him if anything was. Right. But the fact that my little brother felt disrespected because I believe him and his... I believe Jermaine's girlfriend mm-hmm. and Mace had a relationship prior. Right. Maybe some years ago. And he wrote a and song about Yeah, it was a song with some kind of disrespect that went on and he felt like... I need you as a man to come and talk to me. Right. And that didn't happen. And that's why this whole thing kind of spiraled out of control. Well, you definitely said that um, money and pussy was the two ways of having issues with people. Oh, as far as men in the game. Yeah. Uh, money and pussy will do it. Yeah. That's a fact. Especially when um, you have women who are just trying to get ahead, so they'll set anybody up. Right. Or just to be ma- malicious. Right. Um. Would you say, was it all worth it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard question. Was it all worth it? I would say I would say no. But then I I don't want to say that because like I said, I wouldn't have a story today. Mm-hmm. To tell people what really was going on mm-hmm. from a woman's perspective who was there. Mm-hmm. And was it all worth it if my story can help anybody? Yeah. 
Oh, I'm telling you, man. Um, what is some advice you would have gave to your younger self looking back? Oh, my God. I graduated high school in 87. Went to college for nursing. Mm-hmm. I would have told my younger self, even though I was in that, I still could have continued with college. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have been a nurse 25-something years in the game already. Right. But at that age, and around like 89 when I got with my, or 90 when I got with my daughter's father, at, back then, none of us knew or even thought the money would stop or come to an end. Mm. You know, that's why a lot of us stayed in it, or a lot of men, because the money was coming so fast and so plentiful, it just looked like it would never stop. Wow. But the reality is that it would, or somebody would have either killed you for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know. More money, more problems. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So I definitely would have stayed in school. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And you know, really had a career in nursing because I love helping people. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Well, you're in the same field, yeah. In a sense, but um, yeah. So last but not least, what is some advice you would give to women out there that want to be a part of the mix of what I was in before? Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. It, it's not worth it. The money back then for all of us chicks that was in it, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. But now to deal with that. I would say it's really nothing to get into. You know, if you if you mess with you think a guy, time has really changed that much? Yes, I have. Mm. Yes, I think so. I think any hustler, a real hustler, say it's definitely not the same. Right. Not saying that people are not getting money out there because they still are, but is the risk worth the reward? Right. No, because again, like with the whole op- opioid situation, they are sending people away for a long time although there's a new uh bill that was passed as far as the fair the fair sentencing act so you can't get so much time for it right but is that something that you really want to do like i said if you're smart enough to run a drug operation you can run a legitimate business yeah i always say that if you want to legitimize your money you want to do your little one two step and legitimize your money okay Mm -hmm. do it in Teach your kids something. Teach the youth around you something. You know what I'm saying? Legitimize your money. Yeah. It's not really worth, you know, the risk. Right. And somebody killing you today over a couple of dollars? No. Yeah. That's crazy. Because I remember when you was in your book, you were saying, like, you used to have bags of money, like. And then for people to rob you for what? Right. To risk my life for what? Right. Well, guys, I am excited. I cannot wait to hear your feedback. Um, if you want to know more about my guest and her book, please email me at hello at professionalhomegirl.com. I'm telling y'all her book was amazing. It's a, a good read, very informative. I think you're going to be able to put a lot of pieces together, especially if you're fascinated or just want to know more about this culture. Um, and that's it, y'all. I'm really excited about today's episode. This was like one of the best episodes ever. Um, until next time, guys. Later. Okay. <laughs> AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. 
Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.